When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by Tote. Bet with Tote and support racing in the UK and Ireland. Thank you, Kira. I'm Members Kennedy. Welcome along to the show. It's great to have you with us as we preview the weekend's racing where it will all definitely go ahead without question. Isn't that right, weather forecaster? And most importantly, racing post NAPS champion 2020, Mr. Rory DeLarghi. Hello there. Welcome back for your first show of 2021, sir. It's uh, it's a, an honor and a pleasure and a privilege uh, to be back um, and talking about all this racing that may or may not happen at the weekend. Let's hope it does. Yes, it's very much hope it does because we need. Or just you know, or just cancel it all before Christmas and uh, let us know so we can uh, we can hibernate. Oh God, that very much would be a case of hibernating because I was just talking. Like going holiday there, but that's uh, uh, that, that's not an option either. Uh, yeah, uh, and I should say from a snowy time, people will not recognise the expression "go on holiday." What does that mean? <laughs> How long do you think this COVID thing is going to last for, Rory? Don't answer that. Don't answer that. Also joining us, and we alluded to this on our second preview, a second review even of uh, Christmas uh, 2020. Let's not mention that year ever again, shall we? Uh, It's the return of the author of Jumpers to Follow, which is already uh, in profit and uh, currently working on the Cheltenham Festival Betting Guide, which is an essential uh, publication to buy each and every year and hopefully... Please, God, racing will continue and Cheltenham will be something that we can look forward to. And Irish horses can be racing at Cheltenham as well and winning all around them. That's Mr. Paul Ferguson. Welcome back to the show, my friend. Thanks, Emmas. Good afternoon. Great to have you on board. The Coral Welsh Grand National. Obviously, this is our second attempt at this, so I really hope that we don't have to have a third. Secret Reprieve. Uh, Adam Wedge and Evan Williams, and uh, is currently at best price of four to one. Springfield Fox, who I really like for this race, still fifteen to two. Christmas in April, tens. Uh, Truckers Lodge tens. Uh, Dominator twelves. The two amigos twelves. Uh, Yala Enki, who obviously loves conditions, twelves. Uh, and Prime Venture, an old favourite of Roy Delargis from last year, and lending a massive each way gamble fourteens. Paul Ferguson, your thoughts on the. Carl Welsh Grand National. Unoriginally of those towards ahead of the bet, and I do think Secret Reprieve has got a solid chance um, at justifying favouritism. He carries a four-pound penalty, eight-pound ahead of where he would be if reassessed. I think the fact that the race has been put back a couple of weeks certainly 
it certainly doesn't deteriorate from his chance of anything. That was one thing I was slightly concerned about, that uh, he only had three weeks to get over the Grand National trial. He's now had five weeks. So I would think that was um, something of a positive. And certainly Evan Williams has turned the corner in the past few weeks as well. And, um, being in better form around that time. Um, the one thing he doesn't, he, he needs to prove is his stamina. Um, which a lot of young horses going into a race like this have to do, but he's, I think he's completely he remains completely unexposed. He's only had seven starts over obstacles in his life. If you watch um, the trial back from early December, he certainly didn't look like he was stopping um, at the end of that race when he pulled 12, 12 lengths clear of the two amigos, who's a pretty uh, solid yardstick. He's, he's now off the same mark from which he finished fifth last year. Um, just watching the race purely, it's, it's it's hard to make a strong case for the fact of him reversing the form, um, unless you do think that the favourite won't won't last home over the three and three quarter miles. Uh, heavy ground's not an issue. Um, he's ran twice at the track, won both occasions. He won a novice hurdle in early December 2018 um, on what was his hurdle, and definitely he was only a four, he was only a four year old then, and he actually had Dominate who was going to reoppose on Saturday. Back in third, Dominator was sent off 13 to 8 that day. Secret review 50 to 1 caused a shock, but he's come a long way in a short space of time in the meantime. Uh, and I think he looks an ideal candidate for it. And certainly, of those towards the top of the bet, and he's the one who had beside him. There is uh, one good thing about the fact that this meeting has had to be delayed, and that is that it's given our old favourite Remzis Dizaye more time to recover. Uh, from Aintree. So he'd run on the 5th of December, obviously in the um, behind his stable companion uh, in the Beecher Chase, uh, the lovable V. Leon Rouge. Um, so he's now had uh, 35 days by the time this race comes around and he'll love conditions as well, Rory. Uh, is he one on your radar or are you still of the opinion that Secret Reprieve is going to take all the beating? Yeah, I, I, I've come down on secret reprieve in this race um, when we looked at it the last time and there's, there's no reason to change my mind. As Paul says, if anything, there's even more reason to be with him um, given he's had a longer recovery period. But it also applies to a degree to, to Ramses Detaille who had a... I, I don't think Tom Scudamore gave him a good ride at entry. No. And Tom's obviously riding very well at the moment, but mm. it wasn't... He, he, You know, he went... Not that it's necessarily a bad thing to do. The horse who won the, the Grand Seft and went right up the inside, the brave man threw it all the way around. Bogey was, agrees with you, uh, by the way. It was a terrible Thomas, ride from Tom yes. Scudamore. Um, and of course, uh, Tom's father, uh, Peter, once famously went right up the inside on strands of gold and uh, was, in a, was in a fair lead um, when copying John Franklin's fallen golden wrapper at, uh, at Beecher's. Um, Lordy, when would that be? In the late 80s. Um, and yeah it's not necessarily a bad thing to do but it, it doesn't always work uh, and in the old days one advantage you had going up the inside you had, you had bigger drops um, but you got plenty of room to race in because no one else really wanted to do it um, whereas now they don't come that much, that far off the inside anyway and uh, he ran into trouble once or twice Ramsey's Detaille and he didn't all he wasn't always meeting fences on a stride and he's hit a few on the way around and I thought he ran a, a fair bit better than, than a 94 length 7th and would suggest the problem with Ramsey Zetaye through his career is that he, he has been a little bit of a weak finisher um, over extended trips. Um, and, and obviously he does, he stays three and a half miles. Obviously the, the distance of the Welsh Nationals is now slightly further than it used to be because they take in an extra fence 
um, to help them get around that first bend. There's always been issues with the start of the race um, because the, the first bend come up, used to come up very, very quickly. So they now jump one extra fence and the races are furlong a bit further as a result, um, which doesn't make a huge difference um, in a manner of speaking. Uh, in a, if anything, it kind of makes sure they don't go hell for leather uh, for the first couple of hundred yards. Um, I, I've always liked him a lot as well. You know, I've talked about him a lot on the, on the podcast. Um, and his week finishing last time is understandable, um, given that he ha- he kept having to be rushed up after losing ground at his fences. Um, he'd be happier away from injury. I think he didn't have a terribly happy experience first time there in the in the national, um, and he probably he's one of those who seemed to enjoy the fences less second time around. Um, he's got plenty of course form here. He's won the uh, the trial here before. He's he's. Um, he's got no issue uh, with the, the track at all and he should bounce back um, especially given as you said that, that five week break um, the, the issue with him now is, is there's nothing uh, there's nothing hidden about him anymore uh, I think he was he was still underrated as a hurdler last season uh, I don't think he was right when he was beaten at Cheltenham over fences earlier in the year uh, a race he won this time around Um but uh, there's no great advantage to be punting him now at his at his um, of his current mark. It pretty much sums him up. It's not impossible that he, that he um, you know might go out and win this um, because the horse he does handle the conditions. He's got the right kind of run style for this track as well. You know historically you've wanted to be handy at Chepstow. Um, it'd be interesting to see how that pans out with the, with the uh, the change in start. Um, because historically, if you didn't get a good break here, you, you you could get shuffled back in the field, get yourself in a bad position early on that was difficult to come back from. Um, now that they're, you know, you don't have quite the same issue with the first bend here, uh, whether you need to be quite as handy um, is up for debate, although it still it still pays to be handy last year. Mm-hmm. And I think it's that kind of track, Chips, to over fences, and indeed over hurdles, where uh, for all it's got a reputation of, of testing stamina, um, it's not the best track to be held up in, you know, and it's uh, the, the the top bend is is tight enough, um, and it's not um, it's not easy to make ground late at Shepstow over the early part of the straight. You're you're going downhill, uh, and there isn't there isn't a huge run in over fences or over hurdles either. So it does tend to pay to be handy. His his run style will suit him in that regard, and I think he run a solid race. It's just that I, I no longer think there's a um, um, there's there's an angle uh, to to dig out with with Ramsey's desire. It doesn't mean he can't win. Uh, it just means that the market's liable to get him right, uh, and the handicapper has, has caught up with him to a large degree as well. So, is it just about secret reprieve for you, or is there? An- yeah, I mean, I said I, I wouldn't say he's. I'd buy a secret reprieve win only in this. Normally, a race like this, I'm looking for an each way bet and finding a horse you think is going to um, going to hit the frame at a decent price. Um, there is the possibility that he won't stay. Um, again, I think Paul sums this up very well uh, because he's a young horse with very little experience. Of course, he hasn't been trying this kind of trip. You don't go, you don't run very young horses over three and a half mile earlier in their career. You've got to give them a chance to um, uh, to find their form first. Um, and this is, you know, this looks the right time to be stepping him up and trip. Um, and on pedigree, he ought to stay. Um, he, you know, he didn't look like he was. He, you know, he was. He won by dint of speed last time out. You got the impression an extra half mile wouldn't have bothered him enormously. But you never really know until you try. So you can't be absolutely certain that he'll stay. And it may well be that he's, you know, 
as with um, Ramsey's Italian, he might be the type of, type of horse who just needs an extra year to, to strengthen up before he's fully ready for this kind of trip. But I think he will stay in time. Um, and he's too well treated um, to ignore. And again, the, the only other thing I want to say about this race before moving on is um, I don't think the Welsh National really gets the credit it deserves as a, as a Gold Cup trial. Uh, I'm not sure we got. A, I'm not sure we got a Gold Cup horse in it this year, but it's well worth um, every time we we have this race. Well worth looking back through the Rule of Honour and see the horses who who've gone on from this um, to either to, to win this and then win the Gold Cup or to run very well in the Gold Cup. Uh, often horses who are not particularly high up the weights. You know, Burrow Hill Lad won this with ten stone nine. Um, uh, run and skip run a run a mighty race in the uh, in the Gold Cup behind Don Run. Um, right-hand man in between those two was was placed in the Cheltenham Gold Cup. Um, Play school would have been was favourite for the Gold Cup um, when infamously got at or not got at, depending on who you speak to. Cool ground won the Gold Cup. He, he won this with only ten stone, but on to win the Gold Cup. Carl Zill, of course, um, that was the Gold Cup. He didn't win after winning this race, hugely impressively under top weight. And then you've had um, Master Oates uh, since that. Um, he didn't win at this track. It was in Newbury, I think. Um, they ran the uh, the Welsh National of the Year. He won it before he won the Gold Cup. Um, and then you've had um, uh, synchronized synchronized coming and winning it since. Um, and um, there have been a lot of a lot of horses who have come through this, um, not necessarily looking Gold Cup horses when they arrived at Chepstow, but developing that way since. It was always an interesting race to look at in view of uh, future Gold Cups, especially with young horses. This year it doesn't look the strongest, in fairness. And of course, the, the longer it, you know, when it's not run at Christmas and it ends up running on to the middle of January, then um, it's less likely to attract Gold Cup contenders. But well worth bearing in mind, because every time we see a, a, a horse come out of the Welsh National and run a cracker in the Gold Cup, people seem surprised that that race should throw up a horse, you know, uh, who might be capable of running well over three mile, two and a half furlongs on soft ground at Cheltenham, but it shouldn't surprise us at all. That's a good chat. All right, final selections. Um... Rory, secret reprieve win only for you. Secret reprieve win only, yes. Paul? Uh, yeah, similar comments apply. Secret reprieve. I was just going to touch on one at a bigger price briefly. Um, I think conditions of the race would probably suit the hollow ginge. I've long been of the opinion that a marathon trip on deep ground would suit him. Thought he ran on really well, encouragingly went fourth uh, in the Hennessy last time. He actually got dropped a pound for that as well. I don't think softer ground will help. And we had the first time visor on at Newbury. Um, whether that has the desired effect again second time around, we'll find out. But um, if anyone was not wanting to take four to one seven two about a horse in a race of this nature, I think the hollow ginger give you a run for your money around that's twenty to one shot. But the, yeah. as for a, a selection, my selection would be secret reprieve as well. And the ginger army have had plenty of success with um, a similarly named horse as well. So. Uh, we, we shall see we shall see how he gets on Rory were you going to make a, a and I, point no, I, was say, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree with that verdict either um, I didn't I didn't fancy his chances at all at Newbury um, with a with visor off the first time but he ran a big race to be fourth but the only worry would be if, if he's um, if you if you thought he was going to to um, be held up here I'm not sure he was really held up at Newbury as much as he wasn't able to go the pace because he went pretty quick there and he's not the fastest horse in the world um, you, you'd probably want to see him a little handier here. Um, and he sorry, he ran on three beaten horses in the end, but that was that was a very good performance um, and one that the handicapper hasn't reacted to. So he does make appeal in that in that regard. Run one race in. I can't speak today. What is going on? I'm like Jonathan Ross. One race in, and you've already got the ORDG verdict and the ORDG endorsement. Um, 
Paul. Rory DeGravy. So <laughs> you're a fantastic judge in your own right, obviously. Uh, but the fact that RTG is, is uh, that's what we're calling you from now on, Rory, is uh, roaring in behind you. That's, uh, that's a good sign. Uh, Springfield Fox and um, Ramses Detay for me, obviously with combination tricasts with um, Secret Reprieve. And uh, see you in Dubai in 2028. Right, the Carl Finale Juvenile Hurdle. So this has been affected by the fact that Gordon Elliott's intended runners cannot come here, although that was pretty much a given. Um, there is a piece by Chris Cook in The Guardian today, which I highly recommend you read. Uh, the headline is something along the lines of, don't worry, the Irish will still dominate Cheltenham 2021. Um, but I highly recommend that you read it. Um, hopefully everything will go to plan. And in the Racing Post today, William Mullins is talking about how he's still making his battle plans in the war room for Cheltenham as though everything will go ahead as expected. So hopefully it will. Um, but no Irish runners in the UK, no UK runners in Ireland for the next month, month and a half, two months, probably. Anyway, uh, favorite is for Gary Moore and Jamie Moore with the juvenile hurdler. Shocker. Even money uh, for Naslam. Uh, who Gris uh, for Paul Nichols is a horse that we were talking about beforehand as being potentially quite exciting. Uh, 11 to 4. Adagio is a horse I really, really like and um, stepped forward brilliantly from his debut to go on and uh, uh, for the yard, I should say. Well, not the yard, but on his. Um, performance in Cheltenham to then go back to Cheltenham and bolt up in a race that he was entitled to do so, but I quite like him and I quite like him for the race. Uh, Paul, what's your take on the finale? Uh, yeah, I think that too is probably the probably the one to start with in terms of um, proven form. As you say, he was runner up to Duffelcoats in the grade two, uh, returned to Cheltenham um, to win. He was heavily backed that day, wasn't he, to win uh, the December meeting. And Outrageously that- backed. Yeah, and he, he, like you said, I think he was he was entitled to win, um, as he did. So I'm not sure if he actually improved on his earlier form, but he seems to, certainly seems to be going right the right way. The soft ground wasn't an issue to him that day, and visits the track being an issue. Um, so I think certainly um, he sets the standard. And with, with eight going, suppose for someone like yourself, if you if you've um, if you're nailing your colours to the mast with him, I, I'd, I'd certainly say at the prices. He'd be a pretty solid each way, but I'd see him fairly difficult probably to to knock out the shake up. Um, looking at the others, Fergal O'Brien's Ellen Valley, um, given his pedigree, wasn't really one that I was um, too taken with ahead of his debut at Sandown, but he, he impressed me the way he got the job done. Uh, second came out and won last week for Gary Moore, Hudson de Brugge. Um And I was quite interested in the race actually because the fourth horse who was sent off at odds on that day at Sandown, Paros, was also impressed me on winning in France and was bought for big money by Midland Park. He was far too keen uh, throughout that race to do himself justice on his debut for Nicky Henderson. Um, but he shouldn't take anything away from the winner. That was It was a fair performance. And, and third that day, I'm not going to try and pronounce this name, but this Nick Williams horse, I'll let you do that. No, <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I'm not falling for yeah. that one. Jeez, I, I, I've, I've got no idea how you, how you pronounce that one. You're able to do it. Have any, any input at all on this? Uh, I'll, uh, I'll leave it alone, to be perfectly yeah. honest. honest. Rory's yeah, leaving a pronunciation it, alone? Yeah. That tells you how difficult this one is. Let, let's just go. Blah, 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 blah. The Nick Williams, the Nick Williams juvenile. And Gavin Sheep, yeah, yeah. Anyway, he, that was his actual race course debut. And as we've seen over the years, his, 
horses from the Nick Williams stable do take significant um, forward steps with each run. So uh, again, I'd be I'd be interested to see how he goes in terms of actual. If we're going to see a star on show, and from a purist perspective, I think most of us would like to see Nassalan come out and win because. If, if we're going to have a challenger in England to um, the Irish juveniles, possibly this is the one. The form amounts to very little, I think, so far from Fontwell, but it's all about visual impression with him. Um, his jumper will need to improve, but it did improve throughout his debut at Fontwell. And then he, and again, when winning at the second time at the same track, he did shift slightly to his left at the time, but um, it was, he, he certainly got lower as his first race went on. And again, um, last time, so whether he deserves to be even money, it's 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 purely about potential with him. As I say, from a purest point of view, watching the race, I'd I'd like to see him go out and win and win impressively, um, to show that he's going to have some form to back up um, the visual impression he's created already. But I I wouldn't be looking to back him at that price on um, Saturday myself because I say there's there's not not much form at all in behind him. Uh, the Nichols horse you touched on, Hugery. Um, I looked back at his French runs this morning. Uh, he won. He, he was ridden patiently when winning at Otoy last time, jumped nicely and stayed on in the reverse form with the second. Um, he'd um, earlier finished third at Otoy on his debut over hurdles and that horse had finished second. But the two of them were a long, long way behind the horse called Historian. He's probably up there with the best of the four-year-olds in France. He looks pretty classy, to be honest. So, um, again, like you say, an interesting run, uh, interesting runner. Uh, look, it, to me, it, it's more a race, a watching race than, than one I'd be getting involved in. As I say, I hope Nassalam builds on the on the, the promise what he has shown, but I, th- I certainly think he's priced up a little bit shorter than what, what his form entitles him to be. Yeah, it's for that reason that Adagio is the horse that, if I'm doing the bet right now, and I may as well... Um, the each way lucky 63 then Adagio is the one who goes in um, be, just because Naslam is, is too short um, but he could be a machine he could be the British Senna here he may very well be um, I hope he's not because I want Senna here to go and bolt up in the triumph hurdle uh, Roy Delar your assessment of the finale I don't think a race that I want to have a have a serious investment in because it's difficult to um, difficult to know exactly how good um uh, Ugris and uh, Naslam really are, but they, they they could easily be the, the best two in the race, and I think they'll be rated that way. Um, but uh, the form isn't particularly um, easy to uh, to work out. Um, the Nichols horse cost two hundred grand in November after winning for uh, Sylvain de Hay. Um, at Otoy, not a not a, a particularly fashionable yard in France. Um, and it's sometimes it's those horses are sometimes more interesting than the ones coming from from uh, the Guillaume Cares um, of the world. Uh, so he could be very good, but the the, the form of um, of his races hasn't really had much of a chance to work out because obviously the uh, the French season um, kind of uh, dies out through our, through our winter. So the the form of of the uh, the races that he's run in um, in in maiden hurdles. Um, uh, in France is, is um, difficult to um, to be certain about. Um, and uh, Nassalam has looked very good uh, in, in beating trees. Um, very, very hard to um, uh, to know 
um, what exactly he's achieved. Obviously, he did start out with with uh, Guillaume Macaire, um, and like a lot of um, French juveniles, started out in the summer, um, and then was given a bit of time to uh, you know to to strengthen up. Sold over here um, has won by huge margins in a couple of poor races at Fonwell, and it clearly could be very good, but difficult to know exactly how good and, and whether you're getting value at the, the prices you're going to get in the end. Um, and obviously, uh, Yggdrasil, I think, for the Williams horse. Uh, not French, despite the fact that uh, that he's French bred. Nicely this, done. This is Nordic myth. That's your kind of thing, really, isn't it? It's, uh, yeah. Thor. Uh, let's see. Ragnarok. The mythical, mythical ash tree that... Um, overhangs the world mm-hmm. um, but it, it, yeah Yggdrasil I think is uh, put on your best uh, scandy accent and uh, say that and you're alright yeah it's, it's going to be a, a race where you'll learn plenty but I, I don't think I'd be able to find an angle there that would be reliable um, in, in finding me value in the race um, again as, as Paul says you know what you're getting with Adagio um, he probably didn't need to improve an awful lot but you finish you finish second and first in, in, in races at Cheltenham, including a grade two, you have to be above average. Um, I'd be slightly worried about how strong those races were in the grand scheme of things, but uh, Cheltenham does tend to expose um, weaknesses in horses uh, and the fact that he's gone round there in good company and shaped well um, will stand him in good stead here. So he is the obvious each way bet in the contest, but um, I, I'm still... I'm still going to sit on the fence as far as the risk goes. Sitting on the fence, which is highly unlike Roy DeLarge, to be fair. Um, we will switch tracks, but before we do, the Final Furlong podcast is proudly brought to you by Tote. Now under new management, Tote is looking to bring pool betting back to the masses with better value, brilliant bets, and a slick new app. And with the Tote guarantee, you will never be paid less than SP on win bets. And of course, if the pool pays more, you will get the bigger price. It's never been easier to place your favorite bets online, including the PlaySpot and and Scoop 6, and the brand new Tote Survivor, where the aim of the game is to be the last person standing. Importantly, when you bet with the Tote, your money is going back into supporting the sport that we all love, when the industry has never needed that more, and ain't that the truth? Uh, And of course, because the Tote are not a bookie, they will never close down winning accounts or stop you from having a big bet. So remember, winners are more than welcome when you're thinking about having your bets this weekend. If you haven't got an account yet, join the Tote today and enjoy a risk-free bet on any of their pools. Terms and conditions apply. McFabulous heads the betting for Paul Nichols and Harry Cobden. Uh, 13 to 8 is the best price that you can get about them. Uh, you Never Call uh, is then next best at 4 to 1, locked with Somerville Boy at 9 to 2. This is for the, to give it its proper name, Dornan Engineering Rill Keel Hurdle, grade 2. Rory, was that correct this time? That's marvellous. Well done. There we go. So call me Lord, 9 to 1, and uh, on the blind side runs off the betting. Rory, we'll start with you this time. What is your thoughts on the first race that we're talking about at Kempton, the 220? I think McFabulous is short enough. Um, for all he should do better, I really like McFabulous, but I like him as next as next year's star novice chaser. I think he'd be an absolutely top uh, top class chaser, um, but um, he's been a little bit he's been a little bit overrated based on on the fact that he's you know he's won a great two novice hurdle when he wasn't actually a novice. 
um, at Chepstow in October. He was putting his face to to a fair degree um, at Newbury last time. I, he still he still will do better. I don't want to be a negative about Michael Fabulous, but I think he's the kind of horse who's not always going to show his best in, on winter ground. And the, the question here is what the ground is going to be like. Um, you know, with, with the frost covers down and, and the, if the frost comes out of the ground and it's sticky or soft, I think that was kind of against him. I think he's a horse who's going to show his best form on, on good ground, as he has shown already. Uh, his one disappointment um, last season came on desperate ground, it has to be said, in the kennel gate and asked it. Uh, I was there that day and, and I think really only the winner showed his form. Um, it was a very good race on paper, um, but um, uh, there were disappointments in it because of the conditions. And obviously, you know, softish ground to Kempton is going to be a lot easier to handle than that. So it may not be a problem for him. And I do think the drop back and trip will help him. I, I, I couldn't buy the idea that he was a, you know, a stairs hurdle winner in the waiting on the back of that Persian war. He's a horse with lots of speed. I don't think he really wants a, um, a thorough test at three miles. Um, his, his pedigree doesn't say that. The way he races doesn't say that. So the drop back to two and a half miles is, is very much um, in his favour, two mile five as it is here at Kempton is in his favour and I'd uh, you know I'd be wary pricing him up I wouldn't want to go too short I would sorry I wouldn't want to go too big about him but I'm not sure he's done enough to, to merit being um, a short price favourite here that that defeat at Newbury is his best effort to date um, and yeah, he was, he was favourite to win that race he shouldn't have been favourite to win that race on form um, I guess uh, there's a large element of him being fit against a couple of rivals making their reappearance Um uh, which explains his price, and he ran well. You know, he's, he's beaten six mm-hmm. and a half lengths by horses who have who've franked that form next time out, and he is a very good p- performer. But he's probably not the best horse in this race yet, um, and he's um, uh, he's short enough in the betting for me. I I, I wouldn't necessarily say you should be laying him because th- you know there is upside to him, um, and if the going is closer to good than soft, then that will very much suit him, um, and he's obviously. He won the EBF final here, um, rearranged EBF final, which has moved from Sandown um, in the spring. Um, and he, he's a horse, as I said, who I think is, is going to make a really exciting chaser. Uh, but I would be inclined to take him on here with You Never Call, um, who was um, beating the same sort of distance Um in the um, the long walk at, at Ascot, as um, as McFabulous was in the long distance hurdle at Newbury, um, McFabulous beaten six and a half lengths despite having fitness on his side. Uh, you never call beaten seven lengths um, at Ascot, despite not looking in love with the track. And again, his disappointed—I wouldn't call that a disappointing run—but he has disappointed twice at Ascot before. He's come into Ascot in very good form twice and run below form, um, whereas um, he ran extremely well. Um, went second in a pretend qualifier here um, early in the season over course and distance. A race at the, which he looked like winning everywhere bar the line. Indeed, he still looked like winning on the line. I think I think he traded tens on in the photo, maybe even shorter than that. Oh. Um, but he got done a nose by Storm Goddess, um, which was nice news for me because uh, I'd napped her that day. Well done. Um, but, she, but she pulled it out of the fire on, under a seven-pound claim where she was getting um, over two stone that day from you never call that was an enormous performance from him to, to do everything but win um, and um, I think he's probably a little bit underrated now based on you know I think people will look at the Ascot form and think that's as good as he is I think his Kempton defeat was was better than his um, uh, than his fourth at Ascot last time out and I think if he goes back to that kind of form he would be 
pretty hard to beat. Uh, what, what price do you have him? Four to one is the best price you can get. Yeah, see, I'd, 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 you know, I'd have him a little bit shorter than that. I'm not suggesting he's necessarily banker material, but I think on paper he's done more than McFabulous. Uh, he's a 10-year-old, you know, he's, he's, he doesn't have that many miles in the clock for a horse of his age, but as a 10-year-old, I think people tend to look at a defeat and go, well, there you go, that's that... You're clearly not as good as we thought you were, or that you know. He, he was sent off thirty-three to one for that race. McFabulous was sent off fifteen to eight to beat the same horses before that. So the market will definitely favour favour McFabulous, and traditional thinking favours a horse like McFabulous as well. But I think in terms of what they've achieved this season, um, you never uh, call has has at least the same sort of chance. Um, obviously, he's got less upside. He's not going to be improving at the age of ten. But if he runs to his best form. He'll go very close indeed. Well, those two performances so far this season give him serious, a uh, serious chance in this company. And um, if you think you spotted a, a horse who's making the market, then you have to take advantage. Uh, Paul, what's your thoughts on the real keel hurdle? Uh, I'd be more, I'd be more positive about Max Fabulous. I know Rodley wasn't too negative about him, but I'd be more. I'd be more in his camp, to be honest, at the top of the markets. I think um, probably just about justifies being favours on that run at Newbury um, if you watch it back it was a slowly run race so um, the fact he didn't really get home over three miles on good ground there suggests that coming back and trip is the right thing to do uh, he travelled really well into the home straight led I think two outs with Time Hill and just couldn't see it out as strong as uh, him and Paisley Park um, but as Rory's already alluded to those two have um, advertised that form um, at Ascot in front of you never a call obviously uh, so off the pair, I, I personally would prefer Mac Fabulous thing. Say the trip, the uh, the track's not an issue. You you will need EBF final yeah. Um So yeah, I, I did think the Persian War was what, what as Rory said. I think he was slightly overrated on that. I didn't think it was the strongest Persian War, and um, you often do get a second season novice who can win that before their novice status runs out. Um, obviously, that that novice situation lasted a little bit longer this season. Um, due to the truncated last campaign, but um, yeah, I still think he's got plenty of improvements in him. He's only seven, um, still only had the six runs over hurdles. Again, like Rory said, his pedigree suggests that staying isn't isn't guaranteed with him. He's, he's obviously a half brother, so waiting patiently and walking in the air. Um, so this this kind of trip is probably going to be optimum for him, um, and th- this will probably offer him the best chance of landing a, a nice graded prize this season um, possibly he could end up in the entry or we might end up falling between two stones when it comes to Cheltenham so I would say um, he's a worthy favourite the one to be the one I was actually more afraid of was Somerville Boy who was just behind him at uh, Newbury again I don't think the way the race unfolded really suited him he was, he was held up in a, in a slowly run race and came from off the pace Eventually, he was, he was he was less than three lengths behind Mac Fabulous at the line. He was giving him three pounds on that occasion. Meets on the same terms here. I think a, a more truly run race over this trip is is Somerville Boys optimum as well. He's shown he's shown a good turn of foot when he won on his reappearance at Aintree. He was probably inconvenienced last time in the international hurdle um, or the Beulah, which was actually won three times by Rel Keel. I thought you would have known that, Emmett. Got the pronunciation right. Um, <laughs> I think the fact that, that, that there was a, like a, however, three quarter of a mile, half mile running that day pro- probably did not help some little boy in a, in a two mile one race. So uh, I think he, he can be forgiven the fact that he only finished fifth there. It was a bit of an unsatisfactory result. 
Um, so yeah, I could see him going well, but uh, Mac Fabulous is the, is the one I'd be with. Okay, I guess the fact that he was such a strongly backed horse against two, well, one definite superstar who did have questions to answer in Paisley Park and one potential superstar who was being very strongly talked up at the start of the season in Time Hill and is a definite uh, huge player in the stairs hurdle. The fact that McFabulous was sent off favourite against them, I really can't talk today. I have no idea what the hell is going on, um, is is indicative of the fact that they clearly think the world of him at the at Digit. So this trip should suit him. And yeah, I, I kind of agree with Paul. I can see him being hard to beat, but at the same time, I can very much see Rory's case for you never call. Um, so it's going to be a, a tough race in the case of you got to try and figure out for yourself who you want to side with. Are you with Rory? Are you with Paul? Let us know. Uh, we're moving on to the Labrook Silvignaco Conti chase, the grade two, where I'm definitely with our old friend, Master Tommy Tucker, because he's back to a small field. And uh, this is where. So Rory was spot on. Cheltenham, big field, disaster. But a small field... Oh, now we're talking. So potentially a double for Nichols on the card, at least. Uh, but obviously Imperial Aura heads the betting at 10 to 11. Um, having been backed in from 11 to 10, Master Tommy Tucker is 7 to 2, top price. Riders in the Storm, 9 to 2. Clondalk Castle, 8 to 1. And that's your lot, just the four runners for the Labrook Silvignaco Conti chase. And Paul, we'll start with you. What's your thoughts on the race? Uh, yeah, first and foremost, I think it's a good renewal, despite only four going to post. Um, the four of them raced at 155 and above. Uh, we'll start with Imperial Aura, obviously the obvious place to go. The, the um, won both starts this season. Got to be honest, that he he surprised me this year. I'll hold my hands up and say at the start of the campaign, having won, I was with him last year and um, throughout the campaign and backed him to win the um, novice handicap at the festival. But having began the campaign on 157, I thought he might be difficult to place. I thought he might struggle in the top handicaps and wasn't convinced that he, he would develop into a grade grade two, grade one horse. But um, he won at Carlisle. That form hasn't really worked out since. Um, and then he was pretty impressive at Ascot, to be fair. Again, itchy, itchy feet and real steel. I haven't really advertised that form, but um, he could do no more than beat them. Um, I've just still got a nagging reservation about him, whether, whether he really will develop into it. I see a proper grade one horse when he comes up against the likes of uh, Min over this kind of trip later in the season. So uh, for that reason, I, I have been thinking I'll try and take him on um, his next couple of starts. Again, I like your angle with Master, Master Tommy Tucker. Uh, back in a small field will certainly suit him. Um, and Despite having a couple of uh, falls around here, the, the track really ought to suit. But the one, the one thing I would say is the, the, all four of the runners... Um, a forward going horses, so it's going to be interesting tactics here. Who's willing to sit off the pace, or who's going to make the running? Um, and just at the prices you've read out there, I'd be prepared after five to one to take a chance on riders of the storm on the storm, who who did prove himself to be a Grade One horse last season. Um, his two efforts right handed at Ascot, his best two pieces of form, mm-hmm. he absolutely bolted up from on the blind side in a graduation chase. He was really good that day. Haven't won a handicap. Um, on his first start for connections at Aintree. And then he went back, obviously, and won the grade one at Ascot when, um, in the soft ground when traffic fluid and surname both came down in desperate ground. So I think was, he was he fell when beaten in behind him and, um, in the Ryanair. And I think I, I was I was thinking he might struggle that day anyway because a lot of horses from that Ascot meeting struggled to 
back the form up. He obviously has got to leave a dis- disappointing run behind um, on his first start of the season in the Schleier chase, but and the fact he's been off since and it that, that was too bad to be true suggests that all was not right. Um, so just just purely the price of five to one um, in this field, I, I think I'd, I'd be siding with him purely on a value perspective. He comes back to his best. I think he's probably the one to beat here. Okay, he was deadly that day. It was horrendous ground. I've talked about it several times about being there. Um, and to be honest about it, the wind got taken out of the sails because everyone was more concerned about surname. Um, Rory, what's your take on the race? I'm, I'm staying with Master Tommy Tucker, but for you? I thought um, I thought it was a cracking race, um, as Paul says. Uh, you don't need big fields to, to produce some uh, good contests, and this is... Um, this is a, a really tough one to unpick. Um, I guess Master Tommy Tucker will, will lead. I mean, these all tend to race reasonably handy, with the exception of Condor Castle, it tends to, tends to be a race mid-division or held up. Um, but I don't think I don't think it's helped Riders in the Storm um, to, to be out in front at Cheltenham in the Chaleur. He pulled his way into that position. I think they they would look to get him settled uh, behind the leader if they can. And Imperial Loras tends to sit just off the lead. Um, he's tracked the pace on all his races uh, in the last year. Um, so I think they will both be happy to let Master Tommy Tucker go on. As you saw in the King George, sometimes at Kempton, if you if everyone's happy to let one horse set the pace, then the job, as long as that horse has got the ability to win the race, then the... the um, the rider in question then has the uh, the possibility of, of dictating and get you know making sure that he's doing what he wants and, and getting the others in trouble. The difference here between the, this race and the, the King George obviously is that on a horse like Frodo, you really can do what you want um, because you know he's gonna he's gonna uh, gain ground at his fences, um, and you can afford to sort of to, to quicken up and slow it down when you want. Master Tommy Tucker, I mean, the, the key to him um, is he. You don't want to be messing him around too much between his fences. Uh, he is a very good jumper when he gets them right, but as we saw last season, um, you know he, he can take a spectacular fall when he doesn't. And he fell twice here uh, last season, including over course and distance. Um, so that's a little bit of a, a concern for him as well. But um, I think he might uh, he, he might take the beating here. I was, I was against him at Cheltenham last time out, mm-hmm. um, as you said, Emmett, uh, because of the big field, a very, very different situation. Uh, the one he faced at, at Hayduck, but they let him do his own thing at Hayduck um, in November in that graduation chase, and he was very impressive in the end. Uh, where his jumping was was largely very good, um, and he's been uh, good boy Bobby and, and Dashiell Trasher. Um, that form has worked out well. Um, Dashiell Trasher, of course, has come out and slammed Itchy Feet and Caribbean Boy. Um, and ask it, and again, you don't want to take that form absolutely literally because it's easy enough to say that, that the second and third probably didn't run to their form on that occasion. But Dashiell Trasher uh, confirmed that the promise of, of all last season's form. He looked a very good horse uh, at times, Dashiell Trasher, um, and he put it all together there at Ascot. I jumped his rivals largely, and again, it was in one, one of those scenarios: a small field race um, where the horse who led and was able to to measure his fences got the others in trouble. Um, and I think that's um, that's something that Master Tommy Tucker can do here. He's clearly got a huge amount of talent. 
Um, and although he's not the perfect racehorse because of, of it just seems a lack of concentration, doesn't it? Mm. It's not like he blunders his way around and eventually pays the price. When he's fallen, the two times he's fallen at Kempton, he didn't put a foot wrong until um, giving his jockey no chance either time. Um, and he was running away with the pendle last year. He was going to absolutely bolt up, no pressure on him at all. Um, the jockey hadn't asked him for everything. Um, he was just cruising along in front when he, he virtually didn't see the fence and just dived, dived at it and took a, took a crashing fall. Um, and that's obviously a concern with a horse like that. But he's shown this season at Haydock, I mean, not so much at Huntington, he ran in a two-runner race at Huntington, I thought he was very careful there. But of course, the, the whole idea of that intermediate chase was just get him around in one piece. So basically, you know, don't let him do his own thing. Just school him around. Make sure that he doesn't do anything silly. And that's that's how it panned out. You know, Harry Cobden um, made sure he, he didn't race too freely. Um, let him run down his fences if, if needs be to, to see a stride. And he wasn't visually impressive. It wasn't it was a good performance, but it wasn't it wasn't visually impressive. But Haydock was. Um, Haydock, he, he, he confirmed all the promise he showed last season. And obviously he didn't run, run that form at Cheltenham last time out, but that was an absolutely bizarre race, um, the Caspian Caviar. A lot of horses out of that race at a, at a remarkably early stage. Um, and the winner who, you know, looked handicapped to the hills, it's all very well saying he looked, looks really well handicapped now. But he, looked, he looked handicapped to the hills on his, on his Irish form. was absolutely bolted up as if he joined in at halfway. Um, and, you know, that kind of form, is, uh, those are great races to watch. They're not necessarily great races to... Um, to set your watch by in terms of future form. And I'm more than happy to ignore that from Master Tommy Tucker. Um, I would, I'm not going to put my hand on my heart and say he definitely won't fall here um, or, or make mistakes. But the thing about him is he doesn't, he doesn't make mistakes. He's made, every time he's made a mistake in his life, he's fallen uh, pretty much. Um, and um, again, he was, he was one of a number who, who, um, pushed an overly strong pace at Cheltenham and he's never going to get home doing that. He won't have to do that here. And I think he can, um, I think Harry Cobden will be able to save a little bit doing that. <clears throat> and because the others um, won't be desperate for the lead, uh, I think, you know, Sam Tristan Davis's main, main aim here will get Riders in the Storm to race on an even keel and he'd be happy to sit in third. Imperial Aura, uh, again, David Bass, He'd be an odds-on favourite, as far as he's concerned. He just needs to be handy and not give the not give the leader uh, too much rope, and he's in there with every chance. And I just get the feeling that you know everyone's going to think things are panning out their way until Harry Cobden kicks at the third last, and they suddenly have ground to make up. So he'd be my he'd be my choice in the race because of that. Um, but you know you, you you have to take it on the chin if um, if he capsizes. That's just the way it is. Oh well, look if he capsizes, then it's just a case of we haven't learned our lesson and that he is a big dum-dum and hey, I'm a big dum-dum as well. Um, as long as you get the price about horses like this. And that's yeah, that, exactly. And, that's, and we're getting the problem. price right now. You know, we're, we're getting the price about him right now. So uh, I'm more than happy to go with him and it's just, it's ideal conditions. It's ideal conditions. It's ideal. This is what he wants. Um, I fell for him the last day. You tried to talk me off the ledge, Rory. But this is ideal for him, so I I think that I think that he will bounce back, and I am delighted to having seen Paul get several endorsements from RDG to now be getting an endorsement from RDG myself as well. Um, I wonder 
is Rory on the similar thinking for me for the Lanzarote, the feature race of the day. Uh, the Lambrooks, Ladbrooks, Lambrooks. What the hell is happening to my voice? The Ladbrooks Lanzarote handicap hurdle listed race. Uh, three thirty, two mile five. Um, I really I like. Have, go on. I do have one issue here. Yeah. You gonna tell me who you like first? I was just gonna bomb out who I was liking. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Go on. No, I've I've suddenly got a bee in my bonnet about something that's never really bothered me before, but I've noticed that a lot of people um, read race t- titles out exactly as they are. So this is the Ladbrokes Lanzarote handicap hurdle listed. And that, don't don't read the bit in brackets. Out it's in it's brackets. Of, I'm just saying it's a listed yeah. race. I know, but if you the same as I say, it's a grade one. It's a grade no, no, two. No, no, no. You didn't say you said, you said you said listed race at the end. I would say if you're t- if you're going to include it in conversation, you'd go. And it's not just it's not you that's annoyed me with this. It's someone someone entirely different. It's a couple of race callers um, just reading out the title, and here they're off and running for the Magners Cheltenham Gold Cup Grade One. <laughs> You don't need to, you don't need to say grade one at the end of that, do you? No, <laughs> everyone yeah. knows that. But um, brackets, brackets, class one, yeah, those brackets, yeah, exactly. Yeah, if I say that, do they? You don't just read everything you see in brackets. GBB race <laughs> class one, four year olds plus. It's like, it's like actors reading stage directions. <laughs> <laughs> Looks at camera. Oh no! Anyway, that's. Oh no, sarcastically. Yeah, it's, it's that, that kind of thing um, I can understand. However, Rory, it is a listed race, and I always say that it's the, if it's a listed or yeah, a graded yeah. race. So. No, no, obviously, mention, mention the race status, that's fine. But um, I, I quite like the fact that you are calling out race callers, and uh, I will now be observing race commentaries to find out who exactly it is that Rory is um, having a dig at. And I'm sure that Final Forum podcast listeners will be listening intently as well. Uh, basically, it's, I, I like it's, it's purely it's purely the habit rather than the person. Don't don't um, agree with having a having a, a regular dig at any specific person. No, don't do that. That's just, a bloody just terrible. You don't like unless it's a high profile trainer, in which case. Go nuts. Uh, one true king, I really like here, and he's second favorite behind Everglow, who heads the betting at five to one, having him backed in from sixes. Uh, one true king is eights. Glynn for Nikki Henderson, who's got a great record in this race, is tens. Hunter's call for Ollie Murphy and Aiden Coleman, ten to one. Uh, Mystic whiskey, what a name! Mystic whiskey, Jesus Christ! Misty whiskey. Misty whiskey. I'm telling you, my dyslexia is in full-on hyper mode today. Hunter's Call, 10 to 1. Mystic Whiskey, 10 to 1. Jesus. Uh, Shangtang, 10 to 1. Amour, Amour Dunui, uh, 12s. Paul, or I better mention K Tracy's horse, the White Mouse, uh, 12s. Not necessarily for this race, but a nice winner for us at Cheltenham on the 12th of December. That was a fantastic day for Final Forum podcast listeners. Uh, Paul, your thoughts on the Ladbrooks. Lanzarote handicap hurdle listed race GGB race class one four year old plus. <laughs> uh, well, I'll give you an endorsement this time. I, I, out of the just, those at the head of the market, one true king is the one I like. Go on, Paul. Um, yeah, uh, his bump form was um, pretty good from last year. Beat horse called Castle Robin, who actually reopposes in this race on Saturday. Um, he both also won twice over Edel since. Uh, one true king went on and finished midfield in the champion bumper. 
on ground that was probably softer than ideal. That, that was one thing. I know he, he, I was surprised he, he handled the testing conditions so well at Leicester last time. I was under the impression that he wanted slightly less demanding conditions, especially as he goes up in trip here. So I will be watching um, how the ground plays out in the first couple of races, but hopefully if it's on the good to soft side. Um, but he's improved steadily over hurdles. He won well at Etox the second time out, uh, run two solid races in competitive handicaps at Cheltenham. Um, where he stayed on really well after being headed, which um, gives encouragement to him going up in trip. He won his points points over two and a half mile. He didn't really seem to be getting the three miles in Ireland, and then he moved. Um, he was sent over, and he won. A, I think he won his points points at Barbie Castle over two and a half, if I remember rightly. Um, so yeah, that that that, that was the downside with him. It was it's the one is the concern. Uh, but I do like unexposed horses once we turn the year and go into these handicaps novices and the unexposed ones going in I still think he's on a fair mark he, he put him up two pounds for his novice hurdle win and he went back into not novice company at Leicester that form wasn't too bad at all he he, he well and truly slammed a um, awesome Mickey's to be he's called the Legion Flame who came out and was beaten next time but he really should have won he was he was cruising um, at Kelso and made a mess of the last and he was sent off a two so on on so he probably should have won and advertised that form a little bit and he is starting to settle a little bit better so maybe he's maturing with racing which again will help him um, get home and around 8 eight, they say I think he priced up around 8 to 1 um, he'd be the one for me just of the others I'd touch on um, Shang Tang is another I thought um, was worth a mention he came down at the first on Boxing Day um, in a race in which Southfield Harvest uh, finished second and he'd already beaten a horse over this kind of trip at Ascot's right-handed track um, on his second start this season his first start at Weatherby he finished uh, third behind the Reeves Dirty and Warlord who um, Just for those of you who are asking, by the way, that is not the sound of poker chips. I'm not currently playing online poker as we record the show. That would be unprofessional. Playing online roulette. Obviously, pedumptish. Don't do that, by the way. Um, That is the sound of Paul Ferguson's beard making a cameo. Is it going again, is it? Yep, as your microphone brushes up against... I wouldn't call it a beard. I'd say minor stubble. 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 I can go two weeks. Two weeks without a shave, and people don't notice on my arm. Oh well, um, I, I go one day, so and it's like it's, you, you can obviously notice it sound. Maybe I need to invest in some um, some of those pods so I haven't got the the cable next. To me. We'll we'll get you. We'll, go, we'll, we'll get you the. Um, I'm not paying fucking ear pods for you, by the way. If, if anything, I'll buy those for myself. Yeah. We'll get you a blue Yeti, though. <laughs> we'll, we'll, but we'll move on. Move, move on. Move on. Go on back to Shang Tang. On his reappearance at Weatherby, I thought it was a it was a fine run behind uh, Arrived Dirty and Warlord. Those two went on to Haydock on Betfair Chase Day. Warlord won and Arrived Dirty came down and went in the process running a big race. So I thought that was pretty solid. Handicap form. I think he's on a fair mark. This is his trip. Last year he was a bit of a weak finisher. He, he should have won a taunt one day when he, he didn't really battle it out and he was beaten by a horse called Butterwick Brook. And then he, he didn't show too much. So he only slight concern over this course and distance in the EBF final. But he had a wind up over the summer. I think he's just matured into a, um, a decent second season novice now. So again, I was just looking at the prices. I think you read them out around, he's around nines and tens of places, but with Beth 365, he's standout 14 to 1, um, which I think is slightly overpriced. So 
Uh, my two against the field will be them. I do think the favourite Everglow is potentially well treated, I must say, off a mark of 126. Um, but he looked, he looked pretty green and inexperienced. I thought to ask because he took a, mm. he took an awful, took a while to get that maiden hurdle one in the end, and um, just whether he, whether he'd be ready for um, a race of this nature would be the question. I think on on bumper form from last year. Um, he certainly got the, the natural talent to be rated a fair bit higher than 126 so I can understand why um, the bookmakers have choked him up favourite but whether he's ready for this kind of test would just be one thing I'd be concerned about Yeah, He was the first one I was looking at given that mighty Israel champ form but I discarded him um, Rory, your thoughts on the lands already? I like Shantang. I think you can make a case for a lot of horses in this race. It uh, tends to be the way with... Uh, ding, ding, ding. Um, so, so basically, we should all go on to uh, that particular bookmaker that Paul mentioned and punish them! I just uh, take advantage of their, with their generosity. Yeah, if you can get a bit... Big, yeah. big disparity, 14. I'd, I'd, I'd have him close to the top of the market. I, would yeah. okay. I think he'll go off single figures, I'm sure. Yeah, he did. It obviously, fell at Wincanton last time. Not a bit one or two people off, but I, I'm always, I always forgive a horse a first hurdle fall. It just tends to be um, lack of concentration or just or just complete fluke um, with uh, with the first obstacle. Um, and the interesting thing about that race is that um, the horse who was just beat, uh, there was a decent race in the end. Um, Jackamar was well handicapped horse. He won that race, and um, the horse who was second, he was very game had been beaten three lengths by Shine Tang on his previous start. Um, so you can you can argue that was um, um, that was Frankie in the form. Um, so he's um, he's also seeing Mark here, Southfield Harvest is the horse the horse in question who was uh, who was second at Wincanton. Um, and Shine Tang beat him three lengths uh, in receipt of four pounds at Ascot prior to that. And obviously they were they were clashing again um, at Wincanton. And the horse that was third there has beaten thirty lengths, Exodella has come out and run very well and is in this race as well. Um, he was uh, a good second to, to Robin Gould at Bangor on his next start and he was he was well behind Shantang. So I think that Ascot race was actually pretty pretty hot. There only were three finishers but they're all um, they all look well handicapped um, and the fact that Shantang did it nicely on the day uh, and, and more significantly jumped really well and saw the race out well. He had a wind operation um, after running badly in the EBF final um, again, finished weekly in the EBF final, and um, uh, you know you, you can always view, view that a couple of ways. But they give him a, a breathing operation, um, suggesting that um, that was the problem, and he's seen his races out. Well, he saw it out well at Weatherby. He was beaten beaten um, seven lengths into third, and he did look quite a big threat. Traded odds on and running there, but the the first and second. Um, as time has shown, were well ahead of their marks that day, and the first three came home came clear. Um, he stepped up on that um, to win at Ascot, I thought. Um, this track, this course and distance should suit him ideally. That's, you know, it's a kind of an odd thing to say, given that he, he ran poorly over course and distance um, in March, but he was he was clearly um, wanting a, a breathing operation then, and he looks a different horse this season. So as long as that, um, as long as the fall he took at Wincanton hasn't, you know, knocked him uh, in terms of his, uh, his breathing, he has every chance on paper, and I'd agree with with Paul. I think I don't think the price will last, and he, he might not end up being a bet of the day if he's favourite for the race. <coughs> you can argue that you know there are seven or seven or eight other horses in the race with similar claims, um, but if he's fourteen to one, 
um, he's definitely a bet. Okay, Shang Tang is getting uh, an endorsement from Paul and from RDG. Uh, from um, oh, go on, uh, just throw a second one in the mix there. What price is Amour Dunui? Um, Amour Dunui is currently a best price twelves. You can get fourteens, but not not what a firm that will give you a whole lot. And he was very weak in the market when he ran at New, uh, Newbury last time, and he was weak in the market when he ran at Plumpton on his previous start. So I hope you get a decent price in the day, but I'm more than weak. Um, and he's a horse that I'd, I'd want to see him drift before I backed him because he's been around a long time. He was a, he was a good horse in the flat, uh, I think, for some art precedent back in the day. Um, and he was a, a useful herder. He didn't take the to offences for, for Paul Nichols. He was then off the track for um, 18 months and more. And he won really nicely in his comeback at Plumpton. Um, and I, I, I tipped him up in, the, in the, the fields when he ran at Newbury at the, um, uh, the Labrooks Trophy meeting. And I thought he ran just as well as I thought he would do. But he drifted huge. It was a seven or eight one shot in the morning, went off at 16 to one um, and finished second um, to Flash the Steel. <clears throat> I thought it was a very, very good run. He's two pounds higher for it. Um, but he's been that high, of course, in the past. He just seems to return to a very good form. And interestingly, um, he's a very straightforward ride. And um, Paul Nichols has decided to book Kevin Brogan for him. And I think that's a, that's a, an interesting jockey booking. Um, because the issue with him is, is handicapping. You know, a lot of these horses are coming into it. You know, the, the favourites making his handicap debut. Most of them are lightly raced. Um, in handicaps and open to improvement. And a horse like Amour Dunui, who's been around the block three or four times, is just vulnerable normally in a race like this be- simply because he's shown the handicap for all he can. Um, but taking seven pounds off his back um, for the first time in, in some time um, will make a big difference to him. And I think he's a player at a big price. But I'd want a bigger price than he is. The whole point about backing him in his last couple of starts is that you know, he's got the kind of profile that people don't look for in this kind of event, so he ends up drifting on the day. Well, you know you'll get the guaranteed price with the Tosh, but I suspect Saturday morning he'll be a bigger price anyway. Or at least you'd like to think so, maybe even Friday night, if you wanted to go down Yeah, there. well, fr- fr- Friday night you're generally not getting best holes guaranteed. Uh, and, you, you you know, you need to cut your cloth accordingly. Mm. Um, so if you are if you want to back a horse and you think, oh, this is the wrong price and it's going to be punted, you've got to back them as early as you can. Well, some horses, you think... This you know this will not not a sexy horse. He won't be backed, and there's a chance of him drifting as other horses are punted against him. Especially when you're looking at a um, you know a, a tighter margins close to the off. So if you're getting best horse guaranteed, that's ground. The other thing, of course, you can do with a horse like him is you know is is you know just wait for the shows and, and take the uh, the best price you can. Um, or as you said, you know if you're if you're betting on the tote, you've got two essentially two strikes out, don't you? Mm-hmm. Um, you've you've got. You've got the SP uh, and you've got two returns and, um, you know, that, that gives you a little bit of a, um, a little bit of leeway there as well. But best odds guaranteed certainly works for you uh, with a horse that came. But punting early means with most firms, you do not qualify for best odds guaranteed. So that's something you need to bear in mind. You might be better off betting on them with the toes. Uh, to try and ensure that guarantee if you're going to have a, have a bet on the Saturday morning. Depends on what yeah, your current just, situation it, it, is as well with um, bookmakers yeah. and the restrictions that they're implementing. But anyway, we have a combination forecast for this race, which of course I love. So Box Exacta. We've also got a combination TriCast. So One True King, Shang Tang, and Amur Danui. Um You better believe I'll be playing that. Uh, we've got two more tracks to visit. 
Before we wrap up our weekend preview, uh, and one of the races we'll be talking about will be a fairly brief one, I imagine. But the Final Forum podcast is proudly brought to you by Tote, now under new management. Tote is looking to bring pool betting back to the masses with better value, brilliant bets, and a slick new app. And with the Tote guarantee that we just mentioned, you will never be paid less than SP on win bets. And of course, if the pool pays more, you'll get the bigger price. It's never been easier to place your favorite bets online, including the PlaySpot Scoop 6, as well as the brand new Tote Survivor, where the air of the game, aim of the game, is to be the last person standing. I have not been feeling well, and you may even have heard a bit of uh, a wheeze there as well. Uh, is um, mispronunciation a symptom of COVID? Better bloody well not be. Uh, where the aim of the game is to be the last person standing. If you haven't gotten an account yet, join Toad today and enjoy a risk-free bet on any of their pools. Terms and conditions apply. There's that wheeze again. Uh, Protocrat is going to be a long odds-on favorite. Uh, the betting has been taken away. Uh, Lieutenant Rocco and uh, Mizia Dezobo. De so that's the three runners we have for the uh, Dipper Novices Chase. Two of five, Wincanton on Saturday. It's a great two. Is that a better way to do it, Rory? That's dandy. <laughs> Right, Paul. Oh, the betting has just miraculously appeared in front of me. Protocat is a, a best price twos on. Uh, Meze de Zobo, two to one. And then any price you want, basically, but Lieutenant Rocco, 14s. Um, Paul, let's lead off with you. Is this all about Dan Skelton and Harry Skelton yet again uh, being legit on fire and taking another big prize? Uh, probably. Probably not going to need to spend too much time on this race. He's definitely the most likely winner for me. Um, I wouldn't be taking twos on, to be honest, though, against the horse like Mezzi de Zobo. But um, he's jumped well you know, when we were on um, before Christmas. We, we briefly touched upon the, the skeletons, novice chasers, and how well they've jumped this season. He's, a, he's another prime example. Um, he was impressive at Carlisle first time out, beating a horse of, called Melistic, who's won both starts since. He then went to Cheltenham, um, the November meeting, and he would beat Southfield Stone by 17 lengths. And further back that day was Paint the Dream, who came out and won a competitive novice handicap at Newby last week off 137. So his form's pretty strong as well. He looks like he's just gone to another level since he's gone over fences, rather like Shamblu, who won on Boxing Day. Um, don't envisage the course being, a, being an issue to him um, and switching to a right-handed track. Um, so yeah, I think he's very much the one to beat. Mezzi Dezobo did however make um, a good comeback at this track over course and distance in albeit a novice handicap chase um, recently. Of course, you've got to go back four years to when he won uh, the shallow hurdle, but his, his novice hurdle form that year was top class. He, he did end up finishing third in the grade one Mersey novice hurdle entry. Um, he jumped well, but I think it was the first up the home up the home straight when he, he was clear and had the race already won. He'd won it with a mid race move, I thought. Um, earlier on in the race, bar that he, he jumped really well, and he, he was he was ridden clear to score impressively. Now the horse who, who chased the own coconut splashes horse who I do think well handicapped. So even though it was a only a novice handicap, I wouldn't think it would be too bad for um, lust for glory back and forth as well. So I think it was a, a fairly strong race for his type. Um, so whether you'd want to be taking twos on four to nine about protector at against a grade one winner in receipt of three pounds again it's probably just, just one to watch and learn 
in, in that respect for me. And even Lieutenant Rocco, he, he's not a bad horse by any means. He was good novice idler for Colin Tizard last year. Um, shaped well over an adequate trip on his debut for Nick Mitchell at Chepster when a mistake four hours. He looked like he was looming up to win the race and then he made a mistake and it shuffled him back. Then he gave Fusil Raffles um, a big fright at Cheltenham when finishing in front of Chantry House. Obviously, Chantry House wasn't right that day, but again, Lieutenant Rocco, he's run two solid enough races. So um, he would he was due to run today at Fox Last, but was actually pulled out before the meeting was finally abandoned so the fact that that's offered it's a blessing in disguise just for this race so we've got three runners rather mm. than two so again we'll learn a little bit more about protector app but um he's probably not a better proposition for many no i would completely agree with that uh very briefly on this race rory not a betting race as it stands uh paul summed it up well um uh, one thing that's shaped the market to a degree in this is that protector app was odds against um, in the week with Hitman in the race, but obviously Hitman and, and Protectorat are both uh, part owned by Sir Alex Ferguson, mm-hmm. and they were both not going to run. And once it was clear that Protectorat was going to be the chosen horse, and uh, there was plenty of money around for him in the last uh, the last day or two before declarations. Um, and I think bookmakers who laid him uh, would be careful of of um, uh, putting him in at, at a, a bigger price. Uh, on the day, um, and therefore the one to two is probably on the skinny side, uh, marginally. So you still you still make him an odds on favourite in this lineup, um, but there are reasons to um, to be positive about both of his opponents. Um, so there's certainly no value in protector out at the moment. That's not to say that he isn't the likeliest winner. It's just a case of of, of weighing up the market. I be, I would just about be be tempted by Lieutenant Rocco at um, at uh, twelve or fourteen to one though. Whoa. Um, I think he's the least likely winner in the race, but he's not. He's not outclassed here. He's probably got seven or eight pounds to find. I thought he was a crazy price at Cheltenham, at Cheltenham last time. He, he opened up like twenty. Yeah, he's got he's gone off at sixteen. Uh, he was nibbled at. Yeah, he back, back in and eased out, didn't he? And everything that Nick Mitchell's run, obviously Nick Nick um, uh, retired for a while um, and is now back as a private trainer. Uh, and the majority of the horses he's run, he's only had one winner since he's since he's come back. But a lot of them have been running in tough races and running well, um, including this horse. And, you know, he traded fives on uh, to beat Fusil Raffles um, last time out at Cheltenham. So this wasn't, that wasn't a, a bad race on paper at all. Um, it's very easy to, you know, to look at it now and go, well, I fell apart a little bit. But you end up, you end up looking at the result through that prism that Lieutenant Rocco looked the likeliest winner for much of the race. Um, Chantry House, of course, was, was an odds-on favourite that day. And uh, most of the especially on a big risk. Kel Destan was in there as well. So that was that was a very good race on paper. Um, and he was the most natural jumper in the field. He looked, you, you look at that race, and if he said, um, you know, you stopped the race at any point before the line and said, one of these is an odds-on favourite, which one is it? You'd have pointed to Lieutenant Rocco. Is there... He, he, he made the running, he jumped well, he had the others off the bridle. Um, and he's just got worn down late in the day. I wouldn't be underestimating him. Um, as I said, I'd make him the outsider of three, but I'd make him the outsider of three a lot closer to sort of, you know, six, seven to one than 14 to one. Jesus. Okay. So the, the, is the problem tactically... As a, as a yeah, I was just going to say, tactically, is that so, the problem here then? Because he can make all, but so can Protectorat. And uh, Mezid Desobo tends to sit in behind the leaders. So... But then again, the price is just making too much of a difference, Paul. It's making up for all of that. Uh, it is, yeah. 
it is, yeah. I say, I say, like I, I was surprised he was as big as he was last time, and Rory's touched upon that. That was a strong race, but just that, just as him as a as a horse. So, um, when I was interviewing the jockeys for jumpers to follow this year, two jockeys who had never ridden them in a race selected them in their horse to follow. When like ninety nine percent of the time, the the ten jockeys who I interview will just pick horses that they ride. Uh, Johnny Burke selected them from George. being a horse who stood out to him when he was in the just walking past the paddock on his way back to the car at Chepstow. And John Joe O'Neill Jr. picked him out from, uh, I think he'd sat on him at home when he was with Colin Tizard and obviously knew the regard in which he was held there. But the fact that both of them nominated him when they hadn't ridden him in a race, I thought was a bit... Um, obviously, he, he's got the sign and both of them alluded to the size and scope he's got. I know I've seen him in the flesh. He is good luck all over a chaser. And like Rory said... And he's, he's a natural jumper on. And he's pulled up on the Albert Bartlett as a five-year-old. I mean, there's no there's no better sign that you're a top-class chaser in the making than pulling up on the Albert Bartlett as a five-year-old. If you're a new listener uh, to the show, by the way, yes. that is a killer stat. That's a killer stat for Rory DeLarge. That's the making of a champion, that. And it's actually proved to be quite quite profitable in the past. So uh, yeah, that's just. I mean, there's there's a you know you can be jokey about that, but there there is um there is something in that, and I've mentioned it in the um um in Paul's uh, Weatherby's uh, festival guide in the last couple of years. Um, the fact that, ho- that young horses run in that race is usually a sign of the esteem in which they're held by trainers. A lot of them aren't ready for it mentally or physically mm. um, and you know don't run particularly well as a result. But also you can get the impression it's kind of in the back of the mind of the trainer as well and they're looked after. Uh, um, so uh, I, think, I think 13 or 14 Cheltenham Festival winners have run badly in the Albert Bartlett uh, before going on to to success at the festival, including a, um, a load of uh, great one winners. Including um, the Stairs Hurdle really champion. Uh, last last season, Stairs Hurdle. Yeah. Um, Paisley Park and... The season before, Stairs Hurdle, yeah. Yeah, and... Uh, Our Oscar as well. Yeah. So, all right. Well, we're back in the outsider then. We're going for the outsider of... Th- Can we just use the logic of outsider of three? Oh, God. Uh, but let's well, go with that. There's logic to the outsider of three, but... It's exactly. It's a ridiculous notion. But anyway, the 14 to one is too big. And I think you can get bigger with some firms where you can get like two quid on. So let's let's punish the firms who are going 14s. Um, we're obviously not getting an each way price, but hey... Uh, let's let's roll the dice. You can make it each way if you like. You know, <laughs> yeah, let's see how that works out for you. Fourteens um, about Lieutenant Rocco. It's too big, and uh, and we'll go for it. We'll switch countries. We'll come here to Ireland, where it's covered in snow. Uh, the Lawlers of Nace Novice Hurdle has quickly developed into a pretty important race. So uh, a Grand National winner went on to go and win it. Would rule the world. Um, um, Briar Hill uh, took this back in the day when a lot was thought of him. Uh, the mighty Bells Hill wins all. Uh, next destination, and Envoy Alain, uh took this en route to Cheltenham Glory last year. So uh, probably the best way of putting this is that Envoy Alain took this en route, route to Cheltenham Glory last year. We've got Henry de Bromhead and uh, Bob Ollinger, who was a horse that was mentioned by Paul in our um part two of our Christmas review. Um, but also Willie Mullins, who's been not shy about talking up Blue Lord and very happy to test him in, in Group 1 water uh, for Isaac Sweden, Sam Muneer, who's about a three-to-one shot. Uh, Bob Ollinger is 13-to-eight. Um, we've then got 
two from Jess Carrington's yard, Crosshill and Ashdale Bob. Uh, Fakir Delane is still in there for now, but like, does he does he really back up that quickly? If he does, it's significant. Uh, they've also got wide receiver in there as well uh, after his win on St. Stephen's Day. Um, he's a 12 to 1 shot. So Gigginson have a, a number of horses entered here who um, ran not so long ago. Um, the most likely runner would have to be Fantasio Delane, seeing as he ran on the 21st of November, you would think. But if Fakir Delane did turn up here, that would be interesting, but weird, I would think. Uh, Paul, breaking down this race. So we've got uh, Blue Lord on the back of one run. Um, bit of talk about him. And uh, we've got Henry de Bromhead's horse, who also has uh, quite a bit of hype about him as well. And obviously visually impressive over hurdles, but what he achieved when he's eight to one on, it's more to do with the form with Fernie Hollow that people are, are interested in. Uh, yeah, very much. At the start of the season, he was, he was one of those I was most excited about. He was one of my hosts to follow. In jumpers follow both based on his point to point win and that bumper win and Garen and point to point Goran often through Goran. sorry again again Jesus you missed you missed this Rory while I was on last week I, I was uh, oh no was that was that was the Christmas episode wasn't it, it was yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you give me a, yeah sorry 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 I'd let it well, off only it's my local track so like I gotta hammer oh, you for that one I mean I'm oh. me can you edit that bit can you edit that bit out no point-to-point bumper at Gore and um, that is always a good race <laughs> um, he did, he come on let's move on anyway he created a really good impression that day but again um, the runner-up hasn't exactly um, advertised the form but he, he was fairly well beaten on that occasion against Fernie Hollow inadequate two-mile trip I thought um, but the two of them had a race to themselves from three hours and it looked like ten and it looked like it was a really good strong piece of form in terms of the pair of them what was behind them I do not know but they were I just like the way they quickened and he went to Navin and won as you say as he was entitled to again the form really hasn't been tested at this stage um, I'm not one to tend to get too hung up on times and things of um, novice idols but it, his time was a lot um, slower than Ashdale Bobby we'll touch on in a minute when he won his maiden and when he won the grade two on the same card um, so Bob Ollinger, he's he's all about um, potential. Uh, I can understand why he's favourite because he's I think he's second favourite, isn't he, for the um, Ballymore at Cheltenham? So mm. um, if he is to develop into a leading contender, he probably needs to be going and winning this. Um, and I say at the start of the season, he was one I was really looking forward to. But whether whether I'd be taking six to four, thirteen to eight about about him on this occasion is, an, is another matter. Uh, Blue Lord impressed me on his debut. Um, for Willie and Simon Muneer and Isaac Sway. That was over two miles where he looked like he would appreciate stepping up in trip. The horse who he beat on that occasion, Julius Stowaway, is uh, he was a pretty smart bumper horse last year. Um, he finished it. He beat Del Vino and um, Bally Adam at Navan. Um, Navan, was it Navan? Sorry. Navan. Before finishing seventh at Navan. Before finishing seventh in the champion bumper. Um, he runs on Saturday, so if that meeting gets a go ahead, it could give you a bit of an idea of the form. Because um, further behind that, Ham Anderson wouldn't be the strongest um, form line to look at. But uh, yeah, Blue Lord, I thought he won a bit. Co- Shade Coesley punches Sam, and I say should appreciate the step up and trip. Both of them 
do need to step up though. I think the Jesse Harrington horse are the ones with the form in the book. Um, although maybe not the most, they wouldn't be as uh, classed as having a sexier profile. Maybe if you start with Cross Hill, he was pretty impressive when he beat um, another horse that you like, Vanillier, mm-hmm. at Punchestown in a maiden hurdle. Um, and on a line through that form, he would probably have the beating of Farouk Delen if he turned up anyway. If you took a strict um, form line through Gavin, Gavin Cromwell's runner, he was impressive that day, but then he, he dropped back to two miles and was beaten um, at the start of December at Punchestown, but you couldn't really see that race. I think it was supposed to be the same day as John Durkin. I was watching it back before, and there's not much of the, the concluding parts of the race that you can actually see. You, you can uh, see basically nothing. Yeah, you can't really. You see him jump two out, mm. and he still seemed to be going well. So I'd, I'd probably put it down to dropping back in trips. So I wouldn't um, totally underestimate him going back up in distance. Um, and Ashdale Bob is very much the one with the form in the book. I wasn't convinced that the grade two Navan Novice Hurdle was as strong a race as it often is um, this year, but he won it convincingly, um, despite being sent off a 14 to 1. And the form of his maiden hurdle at the same track has worked out well over Christmas with wide receiver and shadow rider. We were both placed, both coming out and winning their maiden hurdle. So he's the one with the form in the book um, and definitely sets the standard in terms of moving forward and if there is a potential star in the field again rather like the juvenile Edla Chepstow on Saturday you'd probably want to, want to see Bob Olinger or Blue Lord come out and win this Alright uh, Rory for you um, Not an easy race for me to um, to assess given that we're probably going to have half the field here come declarations um, and that uh, makes it a little bit harder to um, uh, to weigh up. Um, I'd like to see Bob Bollinger win it, especially after what Billy the Kid did to him. Um, but uh, yeah, he's um, he was impressive at Navin last time out. He's had the run of things on his uh, his races so far, but um, there's every possibility with a horse like him that just. Just getting the run of things from the front means that he doesn't get full credit for for um, uh, for what he's achieved, um, and he didn't need to improve on on paper to win last time out. But he was visually impressive. Um, uh, he was beaten a quarter before that, but that was a very good performance um, on paper. And um, you know, there's no harm in being beaten by uh, uh, by Fernie Hollow, and only went down by a length. And the pair of them were absolutely miles clear. Um, that day, I, I'm inclined to um, uh, to give him plenty of uh, plenty of credit for that run. Um, and otherwise, his um, you know his, his overall record is very good. He's going to get the same grind as he's had for all his starts under rules. Um, yes, he's he's unproven in um, in graded company and and something like um, Ashdale Bob has the advantage there. But it's hard to imagine that Ashdale Bob is a is a superstar. And the market certainly didn't think that before he um, uh, before he beat Fakira last time out and. Um, while that might be the, the most solid form on, on paper, um, I, as I said, I, I don't think Ashdale Bob is is, um, uh, is a horse who's, who's going to be um, you know multiple grade one winner down the line. I don't think it's a huge improvement in him. Um, whereas Bob Ollinger, uh, despite the fact that he's, he's not taking on the same kind of company, uh, or, you know, in terms of, of graded company, he's met a, a much better horse. Uh, that Ashley Bob has in, in the shape of Fernie Hollow and um, went down fighting that day. So 
he's the um, he's the one you know who might just light this race up if there is a a very good horse in it. Um, he hasn't proven it yet, um, but this gives him an opportunity, and I think he's the uh, um, he's probably the likeliest winner. He 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 would be the most satisfactory winner in terms of of um, you know identifying uh, a potential star in office. Um, it, I don't think on paper it looks the um, it looks the um, the best running of this I've ever seen. Um, even looking at the entries, even if they all turned up, it was still look a little bit weak compared to the, the last three or four runnings of the race. Um, but you never know. Uh, you never know with novices when they're going to really turn it on. And um, we saw that in the Tolworth uh, last week, for example. So you always hope that the horse who looks like he might be very good ends up being very good in a race like this because it's a bit depressing when you see Great One. Great ones come and go, and you're you're um, uh, they're being one with with what looks to be fairly ordinary performances. So mm. let's hope for something out of the ordinary from Bob Bollinger. Yeah, well said. Uh, although I wouldn't be sleeping on Blue Lord at all. I'm very interested to see what he can do. But Bob Bollinger is already an eight to one shot, best price now for the Ballymore. So people will be expecting fireworks at the weekend. And uh, if there's not, no doubt certain bookmakers will cut Brave Man's game because that's just the way they do it. Not a Brave Man's game. Which brings us to best bets for the weekend. I've, I've literally got around, I just noticed the time and I'm already late. You've, you've put Oz ahead of everything else. Rory, do you want to just throw in your best bet before you run? Uh, no idea. <laughs> No idea. Really fancy that horse. Yeah. And uh, if it doesn't run at the weekend, make sure uh, you put him in the tracker. Rory, best of luck. We'll see you on Thursday. Okay. Cheers, guys. Um, Bye-bye. Best bet of the weekend you, for you, Paul Ferguson. Uh, I'll put up two on Sunday shortly after the um, race at Nice. We go over to Exeter if, if we actually get to go ahead there. An unbeaten novice there called Bear Gills runs for Nicky Martin. Um, wide margin bumper winner. Uh, last year beat Guard Your Dreams by 19 Lens Guard Your Dreams we've seen win three times over hurdles latterly last weekend at Sandown off a mark of 128 he's now a 135 horse he was beating 19 Lens since the second that day Bob Hope or No Hope was back in fifth he runs on Saturday he's, he's two from two over hurdles so his bump performs rock solid um, on his hurdles debut he beat Make Me a Believer impressively at Lingfield the runner up has since won at Cheltenham um, so again the form um, is stacking up well. He won over an adequate two miles um, at Foss last last time. He just about got home under his penalty. Um, and he was raced 129 off that. He's gone up a pound this week to 130 from collateral form. Um, but I still think if he is to develop into the horse, they think he is and I think he could be. He should be well ahead of that mark, despite the fact that there's a couple of interesting potential opponents against him here. Um, he was due to run at Cheltenham on New Year's Day in the list of novice uh, that was obviously abandoned. So the plan looks to be either to run here or he does hold an entry at Weatherby on Tuesday. And interestingly, again, he's in the handicap there when there's a novice over the same distance where he could have run in. So I think the thought process is surely that running off a mark of 130 is probably easier than running under a double penalty in an ordinary novice hurdle. So I would expect if all goes to plan and he wins on Sunday or Tuesday that he might go to trials day for the grade two novice hurdle at Cheltenham to get his experience there. So he's one to note on Sunday. If I just nominate one more on Saturday, is that all right? Absolutely. Another one of my horses to follow for the season at Wincanton. If Wincanton gets to go ahead in the, what time are we? One thirty. Again, another novice on his um, handicap debut, a horse called Sizable Sam. Um, 
He ran twice in bumpers last year, runner-up of this track on debut. He then beat a horse called Cadzand, who listeners will be aware of that. Um, I was quite keen on a Kempton on Boxing Day, when, or the 27, sorry, when he won impressively. Cadzand's now rated 138 and has been given an entry this week in the Beffer hurdle. So um, he beat him in, in a bumper and Wildfire Warrior was fourth that day. Again, he's franked that form. He came out and won at Ludlow and is a 127 horse for Philip Hobbs. So, again, gives you a kind of idea of a level achieved in bumpers. He finished runner-up on his debut at Wincanton and then went back to the same track and won another saddle over two and a half miles. Um, slightly better ground would suit him, so we'll see what the ground's like. But an opener marker 124 looks like it could really well underestimate him. I thought he might have been verging on developing into a graded class novice this year. So um, I'd be really disappointed if he couldn't exploit that mark of 124 on Saturday if he runs. Okay, and what time is that race? 1.30, Wincanton, sizable Sam. 1.30 at Wincanton. Right, my best bet of the weekend is Adagio, Lieutenant Rocco, You Never Call, Master Tommy Tucker, Ramses Detaye, and One True King in the Lucky 63. And it obviously has to be a win-only one, Lucky 63. So we're swinging for the fences. And it pays £434,719. See you in Dubai. Laura Ferguson, get the champagne on ice ready. Are the travel travel restrictions in place there? Is it safe to go? It's not safe to even leave your house. But um, yeah, may as well swing for the fences. Why not? And uh, that'd that'd be a nice way to spend the weekend uh, right that's it we're done uh, thank you so much for listening Paul a pleasure to have you on the show as always nice to have you on for uh, a weekend review you're going to be up the walls though working on your uh, excellent publication for Weatherby's your Cheltenham preview guide so when we get to have you on next I'm not entirely sure but uh, stay safe my friend and um, looking forward to, to chatting to you over WhatsApp and hopefully on the on the podcast again at some point when there's a little bit of free time for you if free time even exists yeah, in your mindset these days. <laughs> no, not not sure in January and early February, but um, hopefully I'll get on in a couple of weeks. And then once we go to put, once we'll, we go to print in mid-February, it should ease off a little bit in the build-up to the festival, hopefully. Yeah, and hopefully we'll be doing a bit with you about that as well. Um, be, uh, be good to do. Uh, the current situation is uh, inspections called for tomorrow. So we're recording on Thursday. So Friday inspection for Chepstow's Welsh Grand National Card on Saturday. Um, Foss Last was already frozen off today. Hopefully everything gets to go ahead, in which case... The gravy will flow. If not, they were all winners. Every single one of them was a stone-cold certainty, and uh, we'll get to follow them the next day. Uh, From Rory DeLarge, from Paul Ferguson, and myself, Emmett Kennedy, uh, whatever happens on Monday, Kate Tracy, Jess Stafford. Yes, Jess Stafford is back! She's back with it. She's free, and she's back with this. Now with Racing TV uh, to discuss the weekend's racing. That could be fun if there's no weekends racing, but we'll fi- we can talk about Maidan. We'll figure out something. Uh, there's lots to discuss in the racing world, so um, we will see you on Monday. Uh, thank you for all the kind words about the Christmas reviews. Um, if you haven't listened to part two yet, highly recommend you do some top-class stuff from Paul uh, and from Jamie Benson and, of course, from Kate Tracy. Uh, Kate, Jess, and I will see you Monday. Have a great weekend. Hopefully the gravy will flow. God bless. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by Tote. Try Tote today and get a risk-free bet on the pools.